0: This episode, we're going to talk about traveling abroad, which means outside the United States, but many of the tips and ideas I give you here will apply to traveling anywhere. And for many of you, it might apply to your everyday life and give you a few things to think about. This is going to be a mix. Some of this is going to be some tips from the world of the gray man for safety and security. And some of this is just for a common traveler who's looking for extra things to do or to look for how to prepare, how to have more fun and excitement, make sure that you're safe and secure that may not pertain to the everyday gray man life. This episode is by request, as I have a family member who's going to be traveling to Europe here later on, I believe this year, next spring, that was invited. And she wanted some ideas. We had a conversation about it. So I thought, well, I'll do the show, put some stuff out there. You guys might like it. Definitely something her friends want to listen to and prepare for. So that's what we're going to talk about. Traveling abroad right here on Gray Man, hiding in plain sight. So it's been a while. I know that sometimes I get easily distracted. I got other things I do as well as some research that I've been doing on my own for the show. I've got a list of episodes as I've always said. So why don't I get them out there all the time? Just because other stuff going on. So I apologize for that for those who wanted an episode or a show recently. I'm trying to get back to doing two or three a week. Hopefully I can make that happen for you. As always, like and share whatever platform you're on. And if you have any questions. You can definitely send an audio question on the Anchor app or Anchor website if you're listening to this here, or you can just go to the show notes and you can see where you can contact me on Facebook and Twitter. If you go to Facebook, you will find underneath the cover photo, there's a link to send me an email, which I will get in my account. For those of you that remember when I put the Amazon store link up there, you know, after a couple of months, I finally contacted him. I'm like, hey, what's the deal here? It's supposed to take like a couple of weeks. So apparently what they claim is the store isn't going to work unless you have about 100,000 followers. Now, I know people get it under that, but the people I know who get the store approved and use the link usually have 50 to 75,000. We're a little way away from that. So we'll see if we can grow the show and then maybe get that up there for you to see and share. If you're interested in the stuff I have in there, the books or anything that I've mentioned in that previous episode where I talked about the store, I definitely can send you that information, send you links to it or tell you what they are. So definitely let me know if you're interested in that. So let's talk about traveling abroad, traveling to another country. My mother is going to Europe. I believe Switzerland, if I remember correctly, maybe some other countries. She does listen to this show on occasion, so we have that. That's why I got to watch what I say sometimes, because, you know, mama gets upset. But we had a conversation, and she was curious about some things, asked me some questions, started telling her a few things, and became a lot of information. So she said, do a show on it. That way, me and my friends can listen to it more than once, take some notes. So that's what we're going to do. So looking at traveling overseas, using the context of my mother, somebody that's older considered elderly, although she's in great health and shape for her age, we should look at some things we can do to prepare before we go. This may help you. And I think people should do this for any traveling experience. I think if you travel overseas, especially we don't do it regularly, probably want to put a little more time and effort into it whereas some people who travel for business regularly don't need to. So one of the things to do is to research the country you're going to. One of the things I recommend people do at a minimum is go to the United States Department website, state.gov. They'll have a briefing on every country out there. They usually have some statistics and data and put out general geographic information, but they'll give you some good information about activities that are going on there. A lot of it that you should look at is anything related to crime. Now, When you find that stuff you don't want to freak out about it or change your plans necessarily pretty much every country has some amount of crime and if it's what we call the western world or modern civilization they're going to have more crime so just be aware of that crime is real does exist just look for spikes in crime you may find that they have specific types of crime that have increased that may affect your plans or something that you can prepare for another thing to look at people don't always check is the weather we forget that the weather is different in different parts of the world or even different states or that seasons aren't the same as they are where we live now. So you want to get an idea of what the season is, what the weather's like there so that you can prepare and have the clothes you need just in case. Now, basic clothing items or whatever you want to bring, just look at what your mom told you when you were a kid. Extra socks, extra underwear, maybe a light jacket, maybe a heavy jacket, depends on the weather. You can plan for that, but definitely take a look at the weather and plan accordingly. Another thing you may have to do is get a passport if you don't have one already. There is a website online where you can go and learn how to do the passport. Now you can still go to a passport office, a major passport office, and get your passport probably in a day. You got to pay extra money for it and it's going to be a long day. The benefit to it is you definitely know you're going to fill out the paperwork correctly because they'll correct you every time. So there can be an issue with say filling out paperwork and trying to mail it in and then finding out you filled out something incorrectly. This can be a huge deal. I was in a unit once that restationed overseas and I helped hundreds of families and soldiers get their passports that they needed and it was a big pain in the ass until we got it down to a science to make sure everything was filled out correctly so that they could get their passports. So definitely look into that. You'll find out too if you haven't had a passport in a long time, you let yours fail and not renew or you've never had one, that there's also a passport card you can get. It's like a driver's license. The purpose of the passport card is meant for travel to like Canada and Mexico. So I don't think it costs a whole lot extra. I tell people it's worth having as it's another official form of photo ID if you need it. You wouldn't need it traveling overseas. You would just need your passport. So if you want to get that, you can. It's not necessary. And your passport still works if you don't have the card if you're going to go to a place like Canada or Mexico. One thing I don't think people realize is how much walking they're going to do when they travel and take a vacation like this. There's very few people that are as physically active walking every day as they will be when they're on vacation. Just walking down to breakfast and dinner and the meals, even if you're taking public transportation, you're going to be walking the streets, doing sightseeing, and you want to get a lot of this in in the amount of time you're there. So people are going to walk more. So for people that are older or not as in shape or not as used to walking that much, I always suggest to them a couple months prior to start walking more. Start building up the amount of walking you're doing every day. Add little things in. Park farther away. Walk through the house more. Anything you can do that's little, add up the amount of steps that you can take so that you can get used to it. The other thing, too, is your shoes. If you have shoes that are really old and you're thinking about getting new shoes, you want to get those before you go, but you want to get them a few weeks to a couple of months prior to so that you can wear them and make sure they're good and broken. The last thing you want to do is have that good pair of shoes. You go replace them a week before you leave, and then you end up with foot pain and blisters and cramps when you're on your vacation, and you don't want that. Now, another thing that you may need to prepare for is how to spend money. It used to be people use traveler's checks, but those aren't like common anymore. And a lot of people don't like them. Most people use credit cards. So if you're going to be traveling and you're going to be spending money, you want to contact your financial institutions, whether it's your bank or you need to apply for a new card. And the reason why is there's not as many out there. It's not a common feature in most cards. But when you go overseas, use a credit card. There's usually some sort of fee or service charge and those can add up. But plenty of banks and credit companies have cards that don't have that fee. And that's going to be the card you want for your everyday stuff. Buying your little trinkets and gifts, buying your food, going to see a show, taking a tour. That's what you want to use that card for. Now, if you want to carry cash, you can. You just want to get an understanding of what a common amount of cash people use is. And it is good to have a small amount of cash on you. You want to talk to your bank, contact them about exchange rates, where's the best place to get your money. The worst place is going to be at an airport. Don't ever exchange money at an airport. You typically want to do it at a bank and probably before you leave. So that's something to look into if you think you want to have cash. Another item to look at, especially for ladies, is how you carry your stuff around every day. And a lot of people carry some sort of purse. If you carry a purse, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I always suggest. Traveling overseas, you're not used to doing this a lot. You're going to be in a country that, say like Switzerland, it's going to be a nicer, safer country, but there still can be crime. So what I tell people is, go buy a purse. Unless you have some old one that's going to be durable. Nothing really expensive, really flashy, really nice. Nothing really big. Something small with a strap that you can put across your body. Meaning, if the strap goes over your right shoulder, the purse is resting on your left hip, or vice versa. In your purse, you want to carry the incidental items you can lose. Like your lip gloss, Kleenex, hand sanitizer, you know, nail clippers. These types of little things that can be replaced. What you don't want to keep in your purse are things like your passport, large amounts of money, credit cards, these types of things. You want to hide those on your body like I've talked about in other shows. The reason for that is you very easily could lose your purse or leave it somewhere. It also could get taken. In the rare chance that you're approached and somebody wants to mug you, take your purse, you can give it to them, cooperate, and get out of that situation, and then they walk away with nothing. What I do recommend is you put a small amount of cash in there, the equivalent of 10 20 American dollars maybe $30. It's a small financial loss compared to losing hundreds of dollars or credit cards or even worse your passport when you're in a foreign country now the items you carry on your body are typically going to be id like your passport credit cards and cash one of the things i've recommended to talk about in other shows taking a small amount of cash and putting it in your shoe even you some in each shoe so like in america i recommend 20 bucks is great that can probably get you a cab ride a short distance maybe a phone call or a meal if you can put up to 50 or 100 you might be able to get a hotel room a meal and a ride So I would look at having small amounts of cash, typically one bill in each shoe, probably under the insole so that when you take your shoes on and off, especially if you do it in public, the money doesn't come out. You can still carry extra money on you if you want to. If you carry your credit card, I definitely could put it in one pocket, keep your passport in another pocket, something you can do to make sure you have these items where you need them, but they're in different locations. So they're not too bulky, not easily seen. You know where they're at and if you have to empty your pockets you don't pull out a passport with a stack of credit cards and cash because that's just going to attract the wrong kind of people and put you in a bad situation now you should also have a backup credit card so even if you can't get or don't have a second credit card that doesn't have that fee take an existing credit card you know that you can take that you can contact your bank and shut off if it was taken that you can have as a backup Here's what I would use that card for. One, I would make sure I had a limit high enough that if I had to, I could get a plane ticket home if something happened with my plane. I would also probably put my hotel room on that. And since it's digital, even if I lost the card, I could still have them go to the hotel, say, go ahead and charge that because I'm about to cancel the card. And then you can work it out from there. So you want to make sure you have a decent enough limit on that to have a good time. And it's also a backup card to cover all your other expensive if something happens with the first one. One of the things I would do is look up people that travel professionally or do it as a job who are bloggers and YouTubers that travel all the time. One of the people I recommend, his name is Nomadic Matt. He's been doing this for years. He does articles and makes money at this, traveling the world, talking about how to get deals, how to get flights, what it's like in different countries. Find articles or videos he's done if they're on the country you've been to. See how old they are. Look for stuff that you're interested in. He'll talk about exchanging money. You know, getting different types of currency, using credit cards. He'll talk about websites to go to, how to book your flights, how to get the best deals. And that's somebody who's doing it every day, even now that you can talk to that can give you good information. You want to do this because when you want to book your flight, unless you're using a travel agent, if you're doing it yourself, I would look at every possible app and website out there to get the best deal on the flight. Now, not everybody can do this, but if you're going to fly to another country like that, we're going to be in a plane for 12, 15, 16 hours. If you can afford it, just buy a first-class ticket. That's what I tell people. Buy first class, you're going to be a lot happier than being a coach. Or at least business class. But if you can't do that, shop around and get the best deal. You're going to be on the plane a long time. So if it's, say, $1,500 for a round-trip ticket, and it's plus or minus $100 because of multiple layovers, pay the extra money to have less layovers, unless you know already you want to be off the plane to take a break. But only if you know the layover is long enough to get off the plane. Because if the layover is about an hour, hour and a half, a lot of times, you won't get off that plane at all. Now, most people are going to use a hotel. A lot of people can use different types of places to stay. But for people like my mom, I'm like, just stay in a hotel. Don't stay in a hostel. You want to pick a hotel that's well-known, got decent reviews, and probably around other hotels in the area. That means there's going to be a lot of people there that are tourists. You'll blend in a little better than if you're in an area where you're one of the few. Those people will probably be from different countries, and you'll probably meet a lot of people, which is really good. It's a great opportunity to meet people. But being in that area, you're a little safer, a little less of a target, and you want to know what's in the area. So even beforehand, when you find out what hotel you're going to stay at and you have your reservations made, see what that hotel offers, what amenities they have, what food do they have, what entertainment, and what else is in that area so you can kind of pre-plan your trip. What hours do they keep? Because one of the things you want to avoid, although it's probably a lot safer in Switzerland, is I tell people, don't go out at night too much unless you have to. Or there's a bunch of you in a group. Crime is more likely to happen at night. doesn't mean you should be scared. You just need to realize it. Whether or not you do have to go out at night, you want to try to stay away from the side of the sidewalk that's going to walk you by an alley. Again, a place like Switzerland, probably not as a big deal. But in a lot of countries, even in America, they'll walk you near or close to an alley to try to get you in the alley where they will mug you. So you definitely want to avoid those alleys. You always want to follow your gut instinct. If something seems wrong, something seems wrong about a person, it just doesn't feel right, don't worry about hurting anybody's feelings. Retreat, make a change, respond and react to that gut feeling because there's probably something there. When you're at your hotel, there's some basic simple things you can follow at any hotel that you can find anywhere in the world. One thing is I tell people try not to ever stay on the first floor. If there's multiple floors and there's an elevator, don't stay on the first or second floor. They're the easiest floors to follow somebody into the room and take their stuff, or hurt them, or rob them. So you definitely don't want to do that. You want to pick a room that isn't super close to the elevator, but it's probably closer to the stairwell fire escapes. That way, if there's a reason you need to leave, or there is an actual fire an emergency, people are going to be going all different kinds of ways. But a lot of people are going to cram for that elevator. And if it's any sort of event like a power outage natural disaster, or anything serious, people could get trapped in that elevator. Whereas you can take your time going down the stairs. If you're in that situation and you're going down the stairs, you want to hold the railing and hug the wall. Don't be on the inside because a lot of people are going to try to rush past you. That way you can lean against the wall, hold the railing and move down safely. When you're doing simple things like going in and out of your room, you want to make sure that as you're approaching your room, you want to see who else is around there. If it looks like you're being followed. Now, granted, you can be followed very easily because somebody else could be on that floor. You may need to walk past your room, go to another room. If you're, you know, go to another area and come back. If you're not feeling safe, just don't get yourself trapped in a quarter. You just definitely don't want to go inside the room while anybody's too close to you. that could just kind of run up and shove you in there. And most times, even in places I've been around the world and even in major hotels, the whole thousands of people, it was actually pretty rare there was too many people in the hallway with me at any given time. So you just want to pay attention to that. Same thing with leaving your room. When you're getting ready to leave your room, I go to the door, I listen for a second, can I hear anybody even walking? Then I go out, I look, shut the door, and go. Another thing I don't do in hotels is get room service. The reason I don't get room service is one, the food usually is worse and also costs a lot. But it's also because that's another opportunity for somebody to come to your room and do something bad. There's nothing wrong with getting room service. I'm just saying it's something I choose not to do. So I would rather walk downstairs and go to a cafe or a coffee shop or the bar than I would have them bring that food up to me. One of the things I was asked about was a money belt. I think people still use them. Those were really popular many years ago. There's nothing wrong with having a money belt. You just want to make sure it's something comfortable, fits, and works with the clothing you're wearing. The thing about a money belt is... You don't want to use it like a wallet, meaning you go up to the cash register or you're sitting at your table at the cafe and then you start to get into the money belt. What you want to do is have that if you need it on you for extra funds that are probably not going to get taken. And then if you're, say, at a restaurant and you're like, well, I need to get out 20 bucks to pay for my coffee and my donut, go to the restroom, get in a stall, take what you need out of the money belt, put it in your pocket, go back and pay for it. So if you're going to carry extra money around like that, just don't be getting in and out of it in public. Do it privately and as needed. Something else people don't think about is laundry. I think we take it for granted in our country, but not all hotels have laundry services. A lot of countries don't have laundromats. So you want to find out before you're going there by either contacting your hotel or doing research online, how do you do laundry if you're going to be there more than a few days? Because you can always take a ton of luggage, but realistically, you can go be active and have a good time and carry everything you need for a 14-day stay in most countries inside a 25, 30-liter backpack. A lightweight pack you can carry. That includes extra shoes and hygiene items. So it depends on how much luggage you want to bring, but keep that in mind. What do luggage fares cost? How much weight can you have in your bags? Are there charges for additional bags? And you definitely want to look that up and know it beforehand and then find out, how do I get my clothes laundered? Do they have services? What do they cost? What's your general understanding of that exchange rate to make sure that if you're paying to have your clothes laundered, you're not paying $25 a shirt? That's what you want to look into because laundry isn't as available in many countries as it is here. Something else to think about your cell phone. One, they're big and they're obvious, although a lot of people have them, so there's no guarantee it'll be taken. But one thing you want to consider about your phone is if you're going to use it while you're over there. Nothing wrong with that, but you want to contact your phone company and see what your phone plan is. And find out how much extra it's gonna cost you. Now, I can tell you right now, it doesn't cost a whole lot extra. It'll just add up quick if you're on the phone a lot. So, if you send texts, usually isn't a big deal. And if you have short phone calls for, say, 15, 20 minutes every once in a while, it's gonna fall well within your plan. But you wanna know that beforehand because if you don't get that planned ahead and you go over there and you start trying to make phone calls and it connects, it can add up really quick. So, you might need to change your phone plan where it charges extra 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks even for a month. To save you money so that you can use your phone while you're over there. A lot of times that's going to be way cheaper than using like your hotel phone. So you definitely want to look into that and know ahead of time. One thing to understand is being an American, going to Europe, people are going to know you're an American and they're going to know you're a foreigner. It's going to be the way you dress, the way you act, how you hold your coffee, the way you eat your food. There's so many different things they're going to know. Not a huge deal. People are going to come up and talk to you in a lot of these countries. That's actually normal for them in many places, so don't freak out about it. Just pay attention, and if it doesn't feel right, ask yourself why. Is it because you're uncomfortable with this and people don't normally do it? That's one thing. If you're normally comfortable with that, but this person seems weird, that's another. You want to find out common customs and courtesies. For example, some countries you can't tip or you don't tip. is considered an insult, so you got to find out, do I actually tip and what's an acceptable tip? Some countries don't do percentages like we do. They do a certain dollar amount, very low. And people don't even understand how it works, kind of like tipping in America. The way it's supposed to work, most people don't even understand. So know that ahead of time. You also want to find out how public transportation works and how do people pay for it. Do they expect cash? Do they expect credit cards? Do you have to prepay a pass? Do they have taxis, private cars? Do they have buses, subways? What do you want to use? They have a lot of trains in Europe. How do you pay for them? How do you buy your tickets? You want to know all this ahead of time in case you need to do it. And even if you're not planning to do it, I always recommend people in Europe traveling there learn these things because it's very easy over there to go ahead and decide to go to another country and check some things out or to have a reason to leave your country for whatever reason. Some sort of disaster happens, you hop on a train, go to the next country to get your flight home. So it's definitely worth looking into to find out how do you get a train ticket or any other type of fare for public transportation and what's going to cost you, how do you pay for it. And how much time ahead of time do you need to plan for that in case you need it or choose to use it for your own entertainment purposes? Another thing to look into, depending on the amount of money in a budget you have, is looking into tour groups or guided tours. They can be fun. You can save money sometimes. And you can meet people and be in a group of people traveling together and not by yourself, which makes you less likely to be targeted or followed by anybody, which is going to be rare anyway in a country like Switzerland. But it can be fun. And it can help you plan your events and plan breaks. And it might be something worth looking into, even if it's just a tour to a museum or a walking tour for four or five hours one day. Another thing about public transportation is also how you're getting to and from the airport to your hotel. Is the hotel providing that service? Do you need to take a cab? What is there for you to use? And you need to know that ahead of time. So a lot of people don't do that here in America. Some places people go travel destinations and they pay for cabs. Only to find out later there's free shuttle service from their hotels. So definitely find that out ahead of time. What transportation mode is there for you to get to and from your hotel that's going to be easy and convenient and you're not going to end up spending all this extra money unless it's something you absolutely need to. Some places it's only going to be a taxi, but you definitely want to know that before you get there. A lot of places, especially where tourists go or just any hotel, they tend to have those little boxes out in front with 50 pamphlets of things you can do within five hours. What you want to look for is see if they have one that has a map kind of of the area that you're going to be going around. Now, granted, you're probably going to look at the map out there and people are going to see you do that and know that you're new, but they probably already know you're new anyway. But if you get one of those maps and let's say it's a downtown area and they show 20 square blocks of this, that and the other that you can do, and that's great. But you want to pinpoint a few things on there or find them online and mark them on the map. You want to know where any law enforcement's located in case you need them. You also want to know where any emergency services like paramedics are located in case you need them. Any place that indicates they'll have restrooms so that you know where they're at. And then, of course, mark any place you want to go and want to see. And those are the things you definitely want to know ahead of time to make sure you can find these locations and aren't stressing at the last moment trying to find them when it becomes very important. One thing to note is an American traveling abroad, especially going to Europe, is they see us as very conceited, very arrogant, and compared to them, we are. You may not be as an individual, but that is predestined that that's how they're going to see you or how they're going to take things. And there's language barriers, there's things that are different, little common words they might say, you might say, that might offend one or the other. So that just kind of builds up on that. So you want to go in knowing that Regardless of you or anybody else as an individual the general idea is you're an arrogant American and this is important to know because if you have to Say talk to law enforcement or security somewhere There's a language barrier. They have a job to do laws aren't always the same investigations already handled the same You're probably upset and then they just see you as an arrogant angry and American and you definitely don't want to give off that vibe So you want to know that ahead of time? so that you can keep yourself calm and cool and have these conversations and try to learn about the culture and the places you're going and to avoid these situations, have a good time, and then if you need any sort of emergency assistance, you can get it without any issue. Another thing, too, is you definitely want to get familiar with customs. Start with customs in the United States because you're going to have to go through customs in the United States, and it's going to be pretty simple, and a lot of people will look into that, but what they won't do or forget to do is look at customs at the country you're going There's going to be websites and information out there for it. So just because you can come through customs in the United States and get in or out easily or you're prepared for it doesn't mean when you go to that other country's customs department that there isn't something that you've done wrong. So you want to know ahead of time, what are the things I can and cannot take into this country? There are places where you cannot take tobacco products or they have limits on prescription medicines. And you want to know exactly what paperwork you need, especially if you have medicine, when you get to that other country so that there's no issue. Because the last thing you want to do is go on vacation, not have the right paperwork, get some medicine taken away that you need, and then have to decide whether or not you even want to stay in the country. So you definitely don't want to do that. Additionally, there's going to be customs forms, and you want to know how to fill those out or what you need to put in there. You need to realize customs can be a long and painful process, and you need to be prepared for it. And speaking of medications, you need to know what medications you need to have what paperwork you need to have, how they're supposed to be properly stored, and you want to make sure you have enough. I suggest that a person always has one week extra just in case there's a plane layover, you're stuck somewhere for a couple extra days, or your plans change at least a week's extra, maybe two, but you probably won't need more than that. But make sure you get everything straight with your medications and prescriptions so you don't run into any issues. Also speaking on medical, you should go see your doctor, even go to a place like Switzerland and tell them, here's where I'm going. Is there any inoculations that I need to get? You may be surprised to find out there's shots that are recommended to certain parts of the world that you're traveling that may seem like you don't need them. You need to be aware of that. Go ahead of time and get those shots and then have a copy of that record because it may be required for customs to get in that country. So you need to know what shots you need and then whether or not that country is even going to require it and what paperwork you need to bring with you to show you've had the proper medical care to travel inside their nation. Another thing too is in many parts of the world, what's going on right now with COVID isn't going to go away anytime soon. It'll probably go at least until the spring, if not the summer. So if you're going to be traveling overseas within one year, I would find out what's going on in that country right now with the virus. What are the restrictions? What are the limitations? Are there mass requirements? What's the quarantine? Find that out now. Because if you're traveling six months from now, that very well could still be the case. And you may very well be booking tickets out several weeks or a couple months ahead of time. So you don't want to get stuck in a position where you lose money or have to change flights because, yeah, I'm going to go to this country for 10 days and find out 14 of them you're supposed to be locked in the hotel doing nothing. You definitely don't want to waste your trip doing that. So find out. What's going on with the virus? What's that country, and nation, and city doing? What are their requirements? What are they allowing for travel and travel restrictions? And just presume that a good portion of that's going to exist six months to a year from now. Another thing to look at is common differences in the food and beverage industry that you're not going to be used to. For example, in Europe, most things are smaller portions, especially coffee. Coffee is going to taste different. It's usually a lot smaller of a portion, so there's a lot of the food. So you want to be prepared for that. You want to know how those things work. I had a friend who went to Italy because he loved wine and Italian food and found out Italian food in Italy was completely different. The wine was different, and the culture shock was pizza wasn't invented there. But he had a great time. So know that when you go to places like Europe, say you get sweets or chocolates, things out of a bakery, it's a much milder sweetness. There's a lot less sugar in them. Coffees tend to be stronger and smaller. Alcohol, especially beer, has higher alcohol content. Not every place sells water as much as they do here in America. So, some places it can be hard to get bottles of water, which you always want to have water on you. Maybe even take some sort of simple container that, if you lost it, doesn't cost you a lot that you can put water in and carry around. Because one of the things you may find in certain countries is their water doesn't taste as good as what you're used to, depending on where their water source is from. So, those are things you want to be prepared for. Know that things like a lot of common food items have different names or different brand names, different terminology. Find those things out ahead of time and see what information you need to know before you get there. Something else we want to look at for important locations when we're overseas is where the embassies and consulates are. In case you didn't listen to the other podcasts where we talked about embassies, just to understand the difference. An embassy in a country is another country's representative of government. So an American embassy in a European country is where you'll find the government representative or the ambassador. The consulate will not have a government representative, but can essentially do all the same functions. So some countries only have a consulate or they have an embassy with more than one consulate due to the size and location of that area. These are important to note for a couple reasons. One is, if something happens where you need to evacuate or need assistance evacuating a country, you can go to your embassy or consulate and ask them for assistance. Your passport and American ID will get you preferential treatment and get you inside there. Another thing I recommend people do, especially if it's not too out of the way, is to go there soon after you arrive when you're going to be staying for more than a couple days in a foreign country. Tell them you're there visiting, you've never been there before, and ask them for any information they can provide to assist you, including statistics on crime, information on areas you should not go or places you should not visit. Anything they tell you not to do, it's important that you listen to them because they have the most current information on that. They possibly could make recommendations of fun things for you to do, but that is not their purpose. So you want to go there looking for the information you need to be safe. Something else I want to mention about hotel room security is your luggage. It isn't uncommon, or I guess it's probably rare, but not unheard of for people to go through your luggage or steal items. I always recommend to people, number one, to have TSA locks. Now let's say you have two bags that are lockable. You get TSA locks so the TSA can get into them. However, many locks you have, I recommend bringing an additional set and putting it in your bag. You never know, you might go to the foreign country or lose your key and have those locks cut off. So, you know, make sure you have that extra set of locks. So, when you're in your room, you can lock your luggage. Now, if you have a regular bag with a zipper on it, it's easily defeatable, but the locks keep most people honest. The other thing about your luggage is when you're not in your room, put it in a place, a consistent place that makes sense, it's immovable that there's no reasonable expectation of why housekeeping would move your bag. So, if you have a couch, I put it on the couch. I never put clothes in the dresser, I usually put it on the dresser. I don't put it on the bed because they might need to change the bed, therefore they gotta move your bag. And one of the things you can do to be more secure is before you leave, you open your bag up and take a photo of its contents, close the bag, zip it, and then typically I put something on top of the bag, something that wouldn't blow away in the wind like a book and then I take a photo of the outside, especially so I can not only see the outside of it, but I can also see how it's sitting on the piece of furniture, as well as a close-up of the location of the zippers. That way, if you're worried about it, you have photo evidence of what it looked like inside the bag, as well as outside the bag, before you left your room. The other thing too you can do, some people put a note inside the bag that says you're on camera. Now most people, if they were gonna go through your luggage, is gonna be people that work in the hotel, Typically housekeeping and they don't have a lot of time. They're on a schedule. It's just another form of deterrent It's unlikely. They're gonna search your room looking for a camera. They may not believe it's there But it definitely is just another deterrent Something else in your room is a safe safes aren't a horrible idea You just want to make sure you understand how to use the safe whether or not requires a key or if requires a key code and you always want to make sure if you're not used to using a safe you leave a note for yourself so that when you leave the hotel, don't forget to empty that safe out so that you don't leave something in there important. You can also take additional photos in your room like where the safe's sitting, if it's movable or even can be slid a few inches. You could take pictures of your stuff on the countertops but housekeeping's probably gonna move them in order to clean the countertops. Another thing you can do is when you check in, you can ask them when does housekeeping typically come through. The safest thing you can do if you're worried about people being in the room is be in the room when they're there. And then you can always put the Do Not Disturb sign out. Another thing you can do too is they typically want to change the sheets every two to three days. So if you're only going to be there a day or two like I normally am, I just don't have them clean the room. But if you're there longer, you probably want them to clean the room. So if it doesn't interfere with your plans, if you're there with them, it's safer. It's very unlikely, especially in very friendly nations, where there's not a lot of crime that somebody's going to go through your luggage. But these are just tips to think about for any travel experience anywhere, especially when you're in high crime areas. Any lower class hotel that, you know, one star, two star cheaper hotels that people tend to either live out long term to work or just stay there for a few days because they don't have a lot of money. But even in expensive hotels, these things can happen. The most important thing to know is to plan ahead, get all the information you can beforehand, make sure you're prepared with any documentation you need to get through customs, including things like prescription medications, inoculations, your passport, of course. Having an additional form of ID, whether it's that passport card or your ID from your own country or state. As well as having all the information on locations of law enforcement, consulates, and embassies in case you need them. Be sure to note where and when you shouldn't go. Pre-plan your trip as much as possible so that you can have a good time. So you don't have to worry about too many things when you're there. The last thing you want to be is in a foreign country and have something happen where you require assistance and you're not sure what to do. And most of all, just to have fun and make sure that you meet new people. The more prepared you are, the less you'll have to worry about things, if they even do happen. Don't forget to like and share this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. If you have any other additional comments, thoughts, or questions, throw them out there on Twitter, Facebook, or send me an email. Make sure that you check out the show notes for DMR publications for those who like to listen to information on the economy, current events, and healthcare. Thank you for listening, and we'll have more content for you here soon on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.